Key to time. I command. From this moment, there's no such thing as freedom in the entire universe. There's only my will because I possess the key to time. Are you all right? Well, of course I'm all right. I suppose I wasn't all right. Key to time. I command. Key to time. I command. I am perfectly capable of admitting when I'm wrong. Oh. Yes. Only I mean, this time I was. Time I was. Time I was. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Yes, that's what it was. Key to time. Key to time. Key to time. Key to time. I command. I command. I command that you stay exactly where you are. Hello everybody and welcome to part four of Recutting the Key to Time. Yes, that's a surprise, isn't it? Well, it's as much of a surprise to us as it is to you, I expect, Um, but we received a rather wonderful piece of feedback from one of our listeners, a chap called Martin Spallacy. Hello, Martin. And Martin not only provided a bit of feedback to us on the series, but he also reviewed each of the Key to Time stories and he did it from a slightly different perspective. You see, Martin remembers a lot of the stuff actually transmitting at the time, a lot of the trailers, a lot of the publicity that surrounded season 16. And it just kind of made sense, rather than include Martin's piece of feedback on the main show, to dedicate an epilogue, really, to this miniseries that seems to have gone down really well with you listeners. So thank you for all of your kind words on Twitter and indeed the feedback that you've been sending us in. Martin also corrects a couple of mistakes that we made. It wouldn't be the Doctor Who podcast if we didn't make mistakes, guys. But in part two, Stephen and I hypothesised that David Fisher was actually a gestal entity of two other writers. When actually, that's not quite the case. David Fisher is actually a person. And, uh, And thank you to many others who pointed this out. Not least, Mr Andrew Smith who I also don't think is a real person, really. But we were actually thinking of David Agnew, who isn't a real person. Anyway, but enough of my waffling and making excuses for errors that we've made. Here's the final part of Recutting the Key to Time. Hi guys, following on from your rather excellent Regeneration series, I've been happily following the Key to Time confidential style podcastettes, which have nostalgically whisked me back to that halcyon summer of 1978. The Commodores were at pole position in the UK charts with three times a lady, I recall, and the good doctor gets himself his very own time lady companion. Only this lady we get to see more than three times if you include the Regeneration sequence in Destiny of the Daleks. Three times a lady And I love you Philip Hinchcliffe was finally able to bring his quest story for the key to time to the screen. And it's a fairy tale story of witches, evil queens, beautiful princesses and wicked pirates. It even has a snarling villain in a black hat appearing at the end. Rebos kicks the story off magnificently. Young eyes eager to feast off any new Doctor Who would have been thrilled with the marvellous teaser trailer that preceded the season, which started with a neon logo against a star field a good two years before John Nathan Turner got to stamp his house style on the show. The week of the 2nd of September, the Radio Times interviewed Mary Tam and seven of the earlier Who girls, 
who all promised to be tuning in to check out her performance, apparently all agreeing that Doctor Who does something for a girl, at least, according to columnist and interviewer Liz Hodgkinson. That something was never quite elaborated on, but one wonders what the likes of Caroline Ford and Caroline John made of Mary's entrance in the show, the camera panning up from her ballerina pumps to reveal that that year the latest haute couture on Gallifrey was Ice Queen meets Zaza Gabor. The pirate planet follows and Douglas Adams' magic reigns onto primetime BBC. It starts with the Doctor polishing the first segment of the key to time with what looks remarkably like a J-cloth, and the next four weeks evoke what Doctor Who would have been like if visualised by Terry Gilliam during early Python. Bruce Purchase steals every scene, with a performance that has all the subtlety of Brian Blessed shouting motorhead lyrics through a megaphone whilst on crystal meth. Stones of Blood was the 100th Doctor Who story, and the series returns to its hammer-horror days of Tom's debut, complete with sapphic overtones, although perhaps the story is more amicus than Hammer, as the first and last two episodes are more of a portmanteau anthology than a complete story. For once, Tom's performance is held in check by the effortlessly adorable Beatrice Learman, whose performance was enough to beguile the master criminal, Cesare of Diplos, into shacking up with her in a country cottage, munching on sausage sandwiches. My favourite story in the season is the underrated Androids of Tara, where Williams has found the perfect vehicle for his dreams of lost crowns and duelling knights. <laughs> Believe me, guys, David Fisher does exist. <laughs> he is real. No one who could script a line like Grendel's vanquished rebuff to a victorious doctor, next time I shall not be so lenient, could be made up, not even in the fevered imagination of Douglas Adams. Power of Kroll showed us what happens when Robert Holmes is told to keep the level of humour down in a script. The story needed a polish that director Norman Stewart wasn't really able to give it, despite having actors of the calibre of Neil McCarthy, John Abenary and Philip Maddock in it. Perhaps some of that polish came off with the buckets of swarf eager that the poor swampy extras are famously reported to have had to use to remove the industrially heavy green makeup that was so favoured by grot bags in the 1980s. And finally, the search for the key to time limped to a rushed conclusion on the twin planets of Atrios and Zeos, which, judging by the starfield viewed from the Marshall spaceship, was clearly the densest part of the universe. <laughs> a density matched only by Ian Sainer's performance as Merak, methinks. It all ends with the Doctor installing a randomizer in the TARDIS, making it impossible for the Black Guardian to determine where they would land next. Although, if said Guardian had bothered to check out the Doctor's most famous haunts, he wouldn't have been surprised to learn that randomly the TARDIS takes the Doctor to both Scarrow and Earth on its next two outings. It had taken 26 weeks to get there, and on balance the key to time is the strongest of Graham Williams' three seasons in the producer's chair, the one with perhaps the greatest amount of love put into it. And looking back, there's certainly a lot to love. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Now, what are you going to do next? <laughs> What next indeed? Well, Martin, thank you very much indeed for the time you put into reviewing that season. They're a wonderful piece of feedback. And to answer your question, well, 
You mentioned at the beginning of your feedback our Regeneration series and a couple of particularly alert listeners noticed that we missed out one particular story, that being the War Games. Well, that wasn't a mistake, that was quite deliberate. And the reason why we missed that out is because Stephen Elsden has not seen it. It's going to be a brand new piece of classic Doctor Who for him. So rather than just give Stephen a DVD and say off you go, watch it, enjoy it, we thought, well, we're going to have a 10-part miniseries where Stephen records his thoughts with either Ian or I after watching each episode. So that is what's next. (laughs) And we'll play part one of that once season eight is finished airing. In the meantime, it just remains for me to say thank you very much indeed, Martin, for your feedback. Thank you, Ian and Stephen, for taking part... In this little season, we hope you've enjoyed it. Bye for now, everybody. Are you all right? Well, of course I'm all right. I suppose I wasn't all right. Key to time. You have the key to time, Doctor. I command. Oh, I have. I have indeed, sir. Do you like it? Do I like it? I suppose you could say that. I like it. Which is an awesomely powerful key. I command! You mustn't be allowed to fall into the wrong hands. I quite understand. Key to time! Key to time! Doctor, who shall die for this? Key to time! I command! Key to time! I command! I am perfectly capable of admitting when I'm wrong. Oh! Yes! This time I lost, time I lost, time I lost. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Key to time, key to time, key to time. Key, 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 key to time. I command, I command, I command that you stay exactly where you are.